0: No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Hey everybody, Tony Gerderman here. We've got a bonus episode for you. This is from our college football playbook show that you can find at uh, any of your local podcast platforms. Just search College Football Playbook. This is this particular episode is Mark Givler along with myself. And along with Jed May of UGA and Tony Sukalas of Tide Illustrated.com, we are discussing the quarterback situations at what are projected to be the top three teams in the nation Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, all with the quarterback competitions going on. So we discussed the latest going on at each of those episodes, or sorry, each of those schools. Wanted to put this in the uh, Buckeye Weekly feed so you can get a sample of the other content that we have at Buckeye Huddle. And like I said, this is a College Football Playbook show. Go ahead and uh, if you want, go ahead and subscribe to the show via your platform. You can also find it on YouTube at youtubecom slash playbook. Thanks.
0: Welcome to the College Football Playbook podcast. I am Mark Givler. I got a great show today. We've got an awesome panel. We are going to talk about some of the big spring quarterback battles around the country. We've got three of the top programs in the country replacing kind of legendary quarterbacks within their programs. I've got experts from all three markets here, and we're going to break things down. We have... Tony Sukalis from Tide Illustrated covering Alabama. We're going to talk about Alabama situation. We have Jed May from UGA sports.com going to talk about the, the defending champs and what they've got going on at the quarterback position this spring. And we've got Tony Gerdeman from BuckeyeHuddle.com to break down the Buckeyes who are about to lose uh, CJ Stroud to the first round of the NFL draft. Um, first of all, you know, let's throw it right to Tony Sukulis here because there's some interesting, I think, developing news right now. It, it looks like Alabama is going to be in the transfer portal looking for a quarterback. What what have you heard on that front so far?
1: Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame quarterback, uh, Tyler Buckner, who appears to have lost the job to Sam Hartman, um, entered the transfer portal and uh, visited Alabama I guess we're reporting on uh, Wednesday, so visited Alabama Tuesday night. Um, there's definitely interest on Tyler's side from what I've heard from the from Notre Dame sources. Um, we'll see how interested Alabama is and what they're telling him in, in terms of opportunity and if that fits with him, but it certainly seems like a possibility that Tyler Buckner Uh, would transfer to Alabama you look the he's got the connection obviously with Tommy Reese who came over from Notre Dame um you look at Tyler Buckner's stats and his production and it doesn't necessarily seem like someone that's gonna move the needle for the Crimson Tide but you know they, they they had kind of an up and down spring in terms of finding Bryce Young's replacement um Jalen Milrow, redshirt sophomore, and redshirt freshman Ty Simpson both had moments during the spring, but they also were very inconsistent. That kind of followed suit during the um, 8A game or the spring game uh, over the weekend. So it'll be interesting to see what Alabama does at the quarterback position. It's kind of up in the air, and (laughs) I know it's the the biggest point of uh, concern for our fans uh, over at Tide Illustrated.
0: Obviously, Alabama's been a recruiting machine. Um, there's a lot of talent on the roster. You, you got to assume whoever is the quarterback is going to have a lot of, you know, good infrastructure around him. But what does it say that they're looking at the portal and, you know, it's not like, you know, getting like Caleb Williams last year at USC or something like that. You, you, you know, you're talking about someone who who kind of lost out um, at Notre Dame. Um, you know, how, I guess, how concerning is this um, in Tuscaloosa?
1: It seems pretty concerning. Uh, I mean, I I think if you're expecting Alabama to get a transfer quarterback, it would be somebody that's more polished than, than Tyler Buckner. So I, I, you know, on the surface, it's, it's pretty concerning. Um, Nick Saban talked about the, um, that he wants to see every position play winning football. Um, I think Ty Simpson and Jalen Miller are capable of playing winning football, but I don't think they did so um, during the spring game. And Uh, That's all really we have the judge on. Alabama has obviously seen more. And I've seen more optimistic reports coming out of, you know, from Alabama sources at the two scrimmages leading up to the A-Day scrimmage. But um, I don't think there's obviously not a lot of confidence if you're looking at the transfer portal, especially without an elite name in there. So, yeah, I'd say it's pretty wide open at, at the quarterback position, and that is a little bit concerning for Alabama
0: let's throw it over to the other side of the sec uh jed you know i don't i think it's fair to say that no quarterback in the history of the georgia program won more big games than stetson bennett um how do you replace that leadership and you know he's he's probably an underrated talent as well uh it's probably i think especially last year he you know made amazing plays uh, in the peach bowl and um just you know where does that stand? I, I think it was like a three-horse race down there in Athens.
3: Yeah, it's it's Carson Beck who who came in the class of 2020, Gunnar Stockton – or no, I'm sorry, Brock Vandegrift who was class of 21, and then Gunnar Stockton who was a true freshman last year. Um, I think when you talk about Stetson, you mentioned his leadership, and he's a guy – even looking back to 2021 when he – it was him and JT Daniels and JT started the year, and then Stetson came in, and then was JT, then it was Stetson like Stetson's a guy who the team kind of rallied around and he's a guy, he was a great leader. He had obviously has the huge confidence um, and bravado and swagger and whatever about him. And, and that's huge at, at that position, especially. And I think, um, you know, I I think the front runner right now would probably be Carson Beck, especially with the performance he had uh, during the Georgia spring uh, spring game, especially, you know, working with the first team against the first team defense, he had a huge first half. Um, But that's the one thing about him is that he, at least from what we've seen of him, doesn't necessarily have that same, at least outwardly that same confidence. And he's a guy, you know, I actually wrote a story on him this spring and he's a guy who has struggled with confidence at points in his football career. You know, he transferred um, high schools before his junior year, took him a while to get settled in. And then at Georgia, you know, he came in 2020 thinking, okay, Jake Fromm's gone. I've got a shot as good a shot as anybody, right. to, To compete for the starting job. And then Georgia brings in Jamie Newman, JT Daniels, and he's just, he's kind of struggled. But last year, when he, and, and let me preface this by saying that it's garbage time, but when he came in, he looked a lot more in control of the offense. Like in years past, he'd come in, he looked deer in the headlights. He, you know, I played out. He through a pick six against UAB in, in 2021. But last year he completed 26 of 35 passes, 300 yards, 310 yards, four touchdowns, and most importantly, no interceptions. And, and again, it's garbage time, you know, eight of, a lot of those stats came against Vanderbilt, so like it's you, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But just the outward, um, the the poison and um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. He he just looks a lot better to the naked eye, I guess, than than he has in years past. So as we come out of spring, I think it would be Carson Beck that's kind of got the, uh, the inside track there.
0: How did they get Stetson Bennett to leave? I mean, they, they, they tried they tried to get him to leave uh what once or twice he came back. He's, you know, and then, then they wanted him back. And <laughs> so yeah, they, they finally, know, it's hard with
3: the AARP stuff and going with student loans, like it's hard to get all that like kind of figured out, but, and listen, the coaching staff has said like, and, and when Todd Munkin was still in Georgia, he, he said this, like we kept telling ourselves that this Bennett kid wasn't good enough and he kept proving us wrong. So that's he's like you said, he's a legend. He won so many big games, made big plays to win said big games, especially in 2022. Um, but I think another question is he made so many plays with his legs, right? He can scramble, he can extend plays. And, and Carson Beck is athletic, but not to the same extent that Bennett is. And I think when you look at Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton, especially, that's what those guys bring. They have more of a running dimension to their games. Um, that that is helping them in this quarterback competition. I know when you look at VandeGrift, with the ones during G day, he, he struggled. He did have some passes dropped. He threw um, a, a bad interception, which he told he told reporters after the game. I just got greedy and tried to you know float a ball uh, into the sideline got picked off. So and that's the stuff like you can't, especially at Georgia with the running game they have and obviously what they've done on defense. You need a quarterback who is going to take care of the ball. Not not do stupid things like throwing interceptions in into coverage. So, um, and then this this is a battle that's going to go through the fall. I think I'm, I'm no, by no means saying that Carson Beck has this thing wrapped up. A lot can change. Carson Beck in 2021, Kirby Smart said he was going to be the starter. He was the number two. If, if anything happened, J T. Daniels, and then things didn't go well in practice. Stetson Bennett takes over, and and obviously we went from there. So, I think it's going to go through the fall. But again, I think it's. It's Carson Beck's job to lose. I would say right now it's a pretty fair way to, to to characterize it.
0: No portal hunting? No,
3: I don't think so. I just think if if you're a quarterback going in the portal, you want like Tyler Buckner, for example, okay, you want to go somewhere where, okay, if I go to Alabama, I will at least have a, a really good shot to compete to win this starting job with with Milro and Ty Simpson and at Georgia you know theoretically you could tell a guy hey you've got a chance to compete with you're coming in you're learning a new offense you're having to develop chemistry with these receivers that all these other quarterbacks have been around for years so and i don't think any quarterback would portal into into any place to be a knowing that you're going to be a backup or a third string guy so i mean nothing's impossible in college football i guess I, i don't see Georgia adding a adding a quarterback out of the portal i don't think
0: Tony Gerderman, uh, we've talked about this before. Maybe the most legitimate quarterback battle that Ohio State's had in quite a while. Where does that stand coming out of the spring?
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate. Devin Brown, who is competing with Kyle McCord, redshirt freshman Devin Brown, got injured last week of spring, so we didn't get to see them both compete in the spring game and then draw our own massive conclusions about who should be starting at Ohio State. But you know, as Jed made Jed Jed said, you know, it's. The, the betting favorite or the the guy that you're probably going with right now is Kyle McCord over Devin Brown. And that's just based on experience. Um, you know, he started a game in 2021 as a true freshman against Akron, against an Akron team that wouldn't make the FCS playoffs that year. They were very bad, but still has that experience. And so I think at this point, he's. Uh, they split reps all spring long you know ones and twos sometimes devin brown would be with the ones sometimes Kyle mccord would be with the ones and the other guy would be with the twos so they shared reps and it was a, a true competition and ryan day said that he would was hoping somebody would step forward and take the job that didn't happen and so that will continue the jo- the competition will continue into the fall right now devin brown is going to miss about 4 weeks of summertime throwing as he gets his you know broke his finger and gets that fixed. And so Kyle McCord has another opportunity to you know, e- either maintain a lead or gain uh, some more ground. I, it's just interesting to me that you know, Kyle McCord has this, this experience over Devin Brown, but it's still very even. And, and you're wondering if, if Kyle McCord isn't pulling away at this point, will, will Devin Brown catch him in these next 30 practices, 30-odd 30 practices of, of a fall camp? And uh, you know we'll see. There's plenty of weapons for both guys to look good. That's for sure.
0: How harmful do you think this hand injury is to Devin Brown's chances of starting? Um, you know, I guess maybe it was okay timing because it was toward the end of spring, but um he misses the spring game and and now um it's gonna be McCord kind of being the man uh, driving uh, summer workouts here for for the next you know month or so and getting with the guys.
2: Yeah. And the thing you have to understand uh, at Ohio State, a hand injury to a quarterback is a very significant piece of lore because it was a hand injury to Joe Burrow in the fall camp of 2017 that led to Dwayne Haskins being essentially given the backup job. And then it was Dwayne Haskins who came into the Michigan game when JT Barrett went down saved the day. And then nothing Joe Burrow could really do in the spring of 2018 could overtake what Dwayne Haskins did against Michigan, and so when they couldn't tell Joe Burrow, yeah, you're going to be our starter in 2018, he left for LSU, all because of this hand injury when he was the backup quarterback, and so when Ryan Day mentions before the the spring game, the the week leading up to the spring game, by the way, Devin Brown had a hand has a hand injury, and then you know immediately that sends up uh, red flares, and so I asked Ryan Day, like, you know, hey. Dwayne Askins, Joe Burrow, he's like, it's nothing like that. I know what you're trying to say. I know where you're going. It's nothing like that. This is just he missed. It's going to miss, miss a, a week of spring practice. That's it. And you know, pick up fall camp. Everything will be even. Everything will be fine. Don't read into it too much like that. But certainly didn't help Devin Brown. And you know he, he's a, he's a more mobile guy, and so he, he uses his legs a bit more than Kyle McCord. But you know, not having that hand, obviously, you know he's he's a guy. Kyle McCord throws the ball better than Devin Brown, I think, at this point. And so, you know, anything to do with throwing hand, throwing arm is, um, you know, that's going to set Devin Brown back a bit, but not so much that he can't catch up, as Ryan Day said.
0: Let's throw up the graphic we have here because I want to point this out. This is the all time uh, pass attempts of the most, I guess, experienced quarterback on each of these rosters. Um, so, so Jalen Milrow is of Alabama is the most experienced quarterback on these three rosters with, uh, all 60 career pass attempts. Um, you know, the question says, is experience necessary? Um, Tony Suculis, do you, do you think the lack of experience is the biggest factor in Alabama kind of going portal hunting here a little bit?
1: It certainly has something to do with it. I, I mean, but, I mean, if you're bringing in Tyler Buckner, he has, what, three starts to his name? So I don't think that that's necessarily... I think it's just consistency. I, I think that, you know, I mean, uh, Jalen has already had two SEC situations. I mean, he's had one start against Texas AM, but he came in in the second half against Arkansas, basically played a whole half. So I, I guess you would call that one and a half starts almost. Um, I, I don't think that he's... that experience is you know really any different than than Tyler Buckner's if that's who they end up going with um obviously you want to have as much experience as as you can but um I I think it it boils down more to consistency and being able to perform at a winning level um you know at a reliable rate and I don't I I don't know if Alabama feels it can it has that yet with Jalen Milrow
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions
2: apply. See website for details.
0: Jed, you know, some experience there with Carson Beck. He's been in, in the program for a while. I think the big thing with, with Georgia is, so this is a kind of a three-way battle at this point. How do you massage that with, some of the younger guys, I mean, these are all pretty highly recruited players, Um, you know, it, portal entry for, you know, the loser. I mean, how, how are they going to, you know, the roster management component of this I think is very interesting for Georgia. I mean, kind of how, how are they massaging that?
3: So everything we've heard um, at UGA sports this spring has, has indicated that that Brock Vandergriff is not transferring. He's going to stay through uh the fall I, I believe he'll be graduating in the fall so that's that's another kind of layer to this but um uh, and he's he's from the the athens area so a georgia degree probably means a, a lot to him um but yeah i mean it's interesting because like i said any of the, these guys are highly recruited there's a lot of of schools that would be interested in them and we haven't really heard much about gunner stockton leaving either so and and the funny thing is last spring it seemed like it would have been easy for Carson Beck to leave because he's a guy. He, at that point, he had two years at Georgia. Stetson Bennett's not going anywhere after winning a national title uh, once he announced he was coming back, obviously. So, um, and when you ask him, he's like, Hey, I just love the University of Georgia. I didn't want to leave. I like it in Athens. I like the coaches. I like all that. And I think that that's part of what these other guys have. They, went from Todd Munkin to Mike Bobo at offensive coordinator, but for the most part, the offense is staying the same, most of the same terminology. And then Mike Bobo was an offensive analyst last year. So he's a guy that um, they, they are from they're familiar with too. So, um, and and I think as far as experience, what I'm curious with, with Beck or any of these guys is how do they react in game? Like talking about that leadership stuff I mentioned earlier. Okay. Carson Beck, you know, last year, Georgia was at Missouri and they were down, I think 10 in the fourth quarter. Situations like that are gonna happen even when you roll on and go fifteen or no win a national championship. How does Carson Beck rally the troops? How does he react when, you know, an offensive lineman has a crucial holding player? You know, stuff like that is the stuff that you can't really simulate in a game. You can talk about going against one of the best defenses in the country, getting better, all that kind of stuff. It's the intangibles that I think are the the game experience that you can't really replace. And even, you know, in the games he's played in, okay, a guy gets a holding penalty, it doesn't really matter because you're up forty points in the fourth quarter, you know? So um that's what I'll be interested to watch early in the season, although there's there's gonna be a lot of up 40 points in the fourth quarter again early. just but just the fact of, of what their schedule looks like. It's UT Martin, it's ball state. Um, you know, UA, UAB is probably a, a little better than those two, but still a a group of five opponents. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out later in the season when Georgia plays, you know, at Auburn, they play at Tennessee, obviously in November versus Florida. Um, that that's really what I'm going to be watching throughout the, especially the early part of the season.
0: Gerd, um, you know, it looks pretty stable for Ohio state as far as the transfer portal. It, it you know, I think we've, we've received confirmation from, from both McCord and Brown that they were, they're not going to be going anywhere, um, in advance of fall camp, Ohio State's schedule um, you know they start with Indiana on the road which you know should be a win but you never know what these openers these conference openers can kind of be weird uh, but then they play what Western or Youngstown State and Western Kentucky are their next two games before that big road game at, at Notre Dame at the end of September could the Buckeyes pull a Michigan and uh do what Michigan did last year with uh McNamara and JJ McCarthy and kind of flip-flop starts and almost let this thing play out in September.
2: I, I've, I've also uh, thrown that out there as a possibility. Now the difference being Indiana is vastly better than anything Michigan had on their non-conference schedule last year. I think their first two games were uh Colorado state and Hawaii and UConn was in there as well as their other, other game. And, and Jim Harbaugh knowing who he actually wanted at quarterback that year gave JJ McCarthy the Hawaii game, uh, the second game of the season. Let let everybody get uh, the run up in the first game. That's Cade McNamara. Then they go to JJ McCarthy, and it's like, oh, JJ McCarthy much better. So let's go with him. I don't think they can do that now. If if things are completely even, you gotta you, you play both. Uh, you gotta see. I think. Uh, Georgia's a great example. A couple of years ago, you're trying not to play the guy that leads you to the national championship. You got to find out who, who are your leaders. It doesn't matter who the best thrower is, best passer is. It's, it's the guy who moves the ball. It's the guy who leads the team. It's the guy who, who gets everybody together. It's the guy that picks up the first downs. And you think you know who that is by the time the first game rolls around. But sometimes you find out through the you, know, you need a guy to come in in an emergency sometimes alabama took them the last game of a national championship season a couple years ago you, you turn to a guy that gets the job done and you think you know who it is and ohio state has done very well with their quarterbacks ryan day i think every year he's been at ohio state he's had the all big 10 first team quarterback i would expect that to continue just because of the offense that they're in but you you don't know until you're you're actually out there and i think Playing on the, I believe it's a road game, and playing on the road for the first game of the year, you'll get a better idea of what you have than starting off with Youngstown State and Western Kentucky. So you'll have a, a decent idea playing at Indiana, and if if Kyle McCord or whoever's starting can handle it, you know, you can't afford to lose that game. So you got to see, you've got to try to win it with the whoever gives you the best opportunity. And if that happens to the happens to be the backup, then now you've got two games where you're like, okay, we're going to give you each a start and see how it goes there. It,
0: I got to think short leash there, right? Yeah. For whoever well, whoever starts the opener.
2: Yeah. I mean, it depends on the defense, right? You know, also it depends on how well that Ohio State defense is playing. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think not not a long leash, especially if if you Ryan Day can go into the two weeks leading up to the game saying we're going to play both guys. And he should tell them that. That way they understand, if I do pull you, that was a plan all along, so it doesn't look like you've been benched.
0: Good point there. Um, kind of another fascinating component to all of this is there are significant offensive changes to the staff at all three of these programs, in addition to trying to find the quarterback. Uh, you're trying to marry that potentially with, with new play callers, new coordinators, um, Tony Sukulis, um, you know, what, what have you seen from Tommy Reese so far? And, you know, how much, I guess, how much control is, does he have over the offense under Nick Saban, who I know likes to keep a close eye on things?
1: Yeah. So it's still going to be Alabama's offense. Uh, Alabama never really drastically changes their offense, but I do think you're going to see Tommy Reese have Different wrinkles, and I think that you know the biggest thing that Alabama is looking at is the last two years. You know, mostly because they could, you had kind of the offense revolve around Bryce Young, kind of making things happen, or you know, and I think you just kind of let him do his thing, Um, and they became over reliant on Bryce Young. So I think you're going to need to add, especially with a young quarterback. And if you look at what Alabama does have, they they have what should be an improved offensive line, a really deep running back unit. Um, they do have weapons at receiver, although they didn't look great in the spring game. Um, so I, I think that, you know, you're going to see more balance on offense with Tommy Reese. I think you're going to see maybe more two tight end sets. That's another thing that Alabama should have is, is decent tight end play. They brought in CJ Dupree from Maryland. They also have Amari and black. Um, so that's a, you know, interesting kind of one, two duo right there. And, um, so I, I think you're going to see them kind of run the ball a little bit better and, You know, uh, kind of, I don't think it's going to be drastically just a ground and pound, but I think they're going to have more of their identity um, and and you're going to have things to set up the young quarterbacks and kind of put them in better situations. Whereas before, I think you could just kind of let Bryce Young kind of run the show. You're not going to have, no matter who they bring in, they're not going to have anybody that reaches anywhere close to that level. So you're going to have to do things differently in order to move the ball.
0: Yeah, Jed, uh, offensive coordinator change there um, at UGA. How does that impact things um, as far as just the whole evaluation process for these quarterbacks? Um, Bobo was on staff previously. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. I mean, advantages, disadvantages, I guess for for the quarterbacks as far as uh, having a new OC.
3: Yeah, I mean, he was on staff actually during the Mark Richter as offensive coordinator and and drew drew the ire of, of fans a lot for like, like every offensive coordinator will. Um, And then, and then last year came back as an analyst and now was like, when Todd Munkin left, it was actually, I think the same day Todd Munkin announced he was going to the Ravens and um, Bobo was promoted the same day. It wasn't, there was not a huge, like, nationwide search and know we're gonna we're gonna settle for this guy this was a move kirby smart kind of had in mind um since the end of last season so um i think one interesting wrinkle gunner stockton was committed to south carolina when mike bobo was on staff there i don't think i mean obviously those two have a good relationship but i still think gunner is is below the level of of beck and Vandergriff in this competition right now just because he's younger yeah, hadn't been in the offense as long, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um I, I think it's gonna be Beck or Vandegrift that ends up winning this thing. But what that does help Gunner, the fact that he's got a relationship with Mike Bobo. Um but these guys, it's kind of like Tony just said, it's still the Georgia offense. There will be, you know, slightly different wrinkles, terms changed, whatever. Um, but but it's still the Georgia offense at the end of the day, which which helps when especially in the case of a Beck and Vandergriff, those guys have spent multiple years in this thing. So um, he, he, they know him, they know the offense. I think it's, you know, it, it's a little interesting, the, the relationship with with Stockton and, and Bobo, but I still think at the end of the day, it's probably going to be uh, either Beck or Vandegrift.
0: Slightly different situation at Ohio State, um, Gerd. You know, it's this is always going to be Ryan Day's offense, but... Kevin Wilson, um offensive coordinator gets the Tulsa head coaching job, Brian Hartline is elevated. Um, talk that he's going to be the play caller. We'll maybe see it to believe it. Kind of w- how do you think this is going to play out with the new play caller and and you know how you know how difficult is this for Ohio State with an inexperienced quarterback and now you don't you don't necessarily have an experienced play caller if they're going to actually give Brian Hartline the the reins.
2: Yeah, and you also have the history of promoting guys because you don't want to lose them which hasn't gone well for Ohio State over the years you you make a guy a coordinator because you don't want to lose him or you feel you have to and it doesn't doesn't work out but everything that Brian Hartline has done at Ohio State has worked out and so he called plays this spring he has Ryan Day right there in his in his ear as well and the thing about Ohio State the the offense like all of the plays essentially get decided midweek so it's everybody's input and then Actually calling the play, they, they tell you it's the easy part, even though Ryan Day has been one of the best play callers, I think, nationally since he's been at Ohio State. And so now is this, um, you know, what happens now with Brian Hartline doing that? Is it a net, net positive? Because now Ryan Day will be more focused on defense and special teams, which have been the area of concern. But I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes with Brian Hartline because Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day are two of the best, and – Brian Hartline's never called a play other than you know, video games and spring, spring practice, basically. And I think Ohio State has made it look pretty easy over the years. I promise you it isn't, but the week leading up and the game planning makes it easier. So I, I think I'm expecting it to go okay, but as you said, it's two new quarterbacks, and whoever wins it, it's going to be a different guy than C.J. Stroud, going to be a different guy than Justin Fields, so you're going to have to tie the, the offense to what they do. And it is Ryan Day's offense, but it's still going to be guys that have to just be precise and be careful with the ball. And the play calling has to reflect that as well. And it, you can't you can't forget about the running backs because it's a loaded running back room. So Brian Hartline has to dial back uh, his, his want to throw the ball, assuming he does, being a former wide receiver.
0: All right. Last thing for you guys. We'll, we'll go around the horn here. Start with uh, Tony Sucoulis. uh Okay. I'm not even going to say September because I think that's, I think that's too uh, early almost for a lot of these situations. I think a lot of guys, there may, there may be quick leashes at, at all three of these places by October one, who is Alabama's, starting quarterback. Is it Milro? Is it Simpson or is it transfer portal to be named later?
1: I honestly don't know. I, I really would have to see the transfer portal edition, Um, and even then, I'm not sure. I, if you're asking me right now, Jalen Milro was the first team quarterback during the eight day scrimmage. So he's also started a game. Uh, if everything's even Nick Saban usually goes on the side of experience. So I'm leaning the slightest razor thin edge to Jalen Milrow, but I, you know, if this was one of those confidence picks, I'm I'm not putting a lot of confidence points on it. Uh, so I really don't even know. I don't know if Alabama's next quarterbacks on the roster. I don't know if the quarterback they start with in game one will be the quarterback they start with in game three. You know, I just, there, there's so much uncertainty that the, I guess the only other time that I've seen this much uncertainty with the quarterback position, you know, since I came onto the beat in 2016 was that first season for me on the beat with 2016 when Jalen Hurts kind of came out of nowhere and and won the job in the fall. You know, so who knows? Maybe following that model will be one of the two freshman quarterbacks on the roster. I I have no idea at the moment, but if, if you're making me pick Jalen Miller would be my current pick.
0: So definitely Jalen Milroe according <laughs> to Tony Succolis. 1,000% Jalen Milrow for, for the quarterback. Uh, Jed, who, who we got October 1st when the dust all settles and they've made their decision and everyone's got their quick hooks out of the way and everything else. I think it's Carson Beck.
3: I, I think he's got the most amount of time in the system. He's got by far the most game experience um, and and I think he came into spring looking probably like the favorite. You know, every quarterback had their ups and downs through the spring, and then at G day he he looked fantastic. So I think it, it's his job to lose. I don't foresee him losing it. I think the only question, because he got all the natural ability in the world, I think the only question is how does he handle those leadership things, the confidence, all that kind of stuff. And I think he has grown. By, by leaps and bounds in, in that area over the past probably yearish or so, like talking to some high school coaches that, that coached him. They, you know, met with him last spring, last fall and everything. They're like he is, he he's not even the same person he was when he started his career at Georgia. So I think he's got that side of things kind of figured out. And I think that confidence is only going to grow the more reps he gets with the ones through the summer and obviously through the fall. So uh, I think it's Carson Beck and I think you know, George's with the supporting cast they've got around and they've they've got a, a shot to do some just do some more good things on offense, even without the uh the mailman making the
0: deliveries anymore. All right, Gerd. Who's it gonna be? McCord, Brown?
2: Yes, yes, it will be one of those two. Uh coming into the spring, I was fifty-five-forty-five McCord. I think I'm 60-40 now. And uh, you know, nothing that I saw made me think it wasn't going to be Kyle McCord other than the fact that at some point maybe could he have taken more reps from Devin Brown with the ones, but the spring is for finding out what, what exactly you have. So they gave everybody the same number of reps, but I believe it will be Kyle McCord. He's got the most experience. He's, I think he's the, the most experienced leader as well. And that's something that he has been focused on since he arrived at Ohio state. Cause remember he came to Ohio state. He was, he was competing to start as a true freshman. And so since then, he's been working on his leadership skills. He's, he's taken ownership of this team. One, you know, CJ Stroud was here. He was still one of the leaders. Now that he's gone, he's definitely one of the leaders. And this is his third year, so you're a veteran now. And so I'm, I'm going to go with Kyle McCord, but uh, you know, Devin Brown, former number one player in the nation, you know, maybe not a bad second.
0: We will see uh, lots of time left. It sounds like all these uh, battles are going to go into the fall, so uh, probably be one of the biggest storylines around college football when you've got you know three of the top four or five ranked teams in the country uh, going into fall camp without a quarterback. So that's almost unprecedented, really, to think about that uh, in 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 combination with the quality of quarterback every school these schools are replacing. So um, I think it's going to be one of the biggest storylines in college football this year. And I think it's you know these decisions are probably going to shape the national championship if not uh, certainly the, the college football playoff so um we will we will keep up on this and appreciate it uh again you can you can find tony suklis at tideillustrated.com does a great job there jed may at ugasports.com tony gerbin buckeyehuddle.com for all your ohio state coverage Thank you guys, and uh, thanks everyone for watching and listening. Please uh, subscribe to the channel and/or uh, on the podcast feed. You know we we will have it on your podcast uh, platform of choice, so you can catch us there if you'd rather listen. Um, but thanks everyone for watching, listening, and we will see you next time.